We here are all such innovative people. So I am telling you, if you want to change the world, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to build the Iron Man suit, you're at Georgia Tech. You can do that. If you want to play theme music during your convocation speech like a badass, we're at Georgia Tech. We can do that. I am doing that. And we are doing this. This is the podcast known as What's the Good Word? It is a podcast about Georgia Tech athletics by Georgia Tech alum and fans for Georgia Tech alum and fans. You guys listening, you're the Georgia Tech alum and fans. We, I am Steven, I'm the Georgia Tech alum, he is Joshua, he is the fan. Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia forever and always. Steven, who are your two favorite teams in college athletics? Georgia Tech and whoever is playing those idiots in Athens. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Let me give you a tease. We are going to talk, we're going to start off the show by talking about Wheel of Fortune. Ooh, what's that? Hang on for a sec. After we get to that, Joshua's got some recruiting and transfer news. He's also going to talk about the coaching, uh, new coaching staff being put together. We will talk about the basketball team and two games this last week. We'll also cover the women's basketball team. And Joshua, give a taste of the little segment we're going to do at the end of the show. What's it called? Uh, who's up and who's down. Very similar to the who's hot, who's not from the first football game of the season. We're going to kind of talk about who's been playing well on the men's basketball team, who's been kind of meeting expectations, you know, stock is steady, and then whose stock is way down that you should sell off. And at the end of that, we'll also maybe we're just we just started. We played our first ACC game. So we'll talk a little bit about the ACC schedule. We certainly will not do a that's a win, that's a loss, because that's what other idiots do from other schools. We're not like that. Speaking of not being idiots, because that certainly describes Georgia Tech, great story to sh- start off the show. Not necessarily sports-related. I would say enter- sports entertainment-related. Fair Absolutely. enough? That's one way to put it. Uh, Wheel of Fortune did a uh, college week, and a young gentleman named Quincy Howard from the Georgia Institute of Technology appeared on the show. Joshua, how do you think he did? I mean, considering he's from Georgia Tech, he of course he, he excels in everything he does. Uh, the headline, and you can see it on ramblingrec.com. You can also go to other websites. It's, it was all over the news. Uh, Quincy won big on Wheel of Fortune. And I would just like to pull a quote uh, because he won over $20,000 in cash. He won the prize puzzle. It was a car. And he also won two trips uh, off the wheel during uh, during the show. Won over $20,000 in cash. Uh, and, and the two trips, uh, like I said, and here's some great quotes. So first of all, uh, Quincy Howard is a second year, uh, student from Dublin, Georgia. He has, of course he has a 4.0 GPA. Uh, the analytically minded student was searching for digraphs and consonant blends that might help him determine the correct answer. Here's a quote. PL is a common combination at the beginning of words. He explained that kind of thoughtful gameplay helped him sweep every puzzle round. Quote, I knew every time I would spin, I had a 15% chance of landing on lose a turn or bankrupt. So he felt if he felt confident he could solve the puzzle, he'd keep going for it. So uh, he said also leading up to the show, my 13 year old sister helped quiz me to get ready uh, after he had qualified or after he auditioned and qualified to be on the show in January. 
So, the, of course, the other question is, well, what's Quincy going to do with all his newfound cash and, and the car and the trips? He's going to enjoy them, right? Get this. Also, as a fantastic representative of the Institute of Technology, he's probably going to give his car to his little sister. He's probably going to give the car he won to his little sister. What about the two trips, you ask? He's going to take them, and they're trips for two. So he's going to take one of his parents on each trip. So mom will go on one, dad will go on the other. So, And of course, what about the cash? As a good tech student, he's finishing up his undergraduate degree, looks forward to pursuing a master's at tech as well. And that cash might go uh, a long way because as we all know, especially the alum, Georgia Tech has been and always will continue to be a great value for our dollar. So shout out to Quincy Howard. It's important to note that the car that he won was painted red and black, and he made a point to say, I can pick whatever I color I want. It will not be red and black. See, that's why Joshua adds so much to this show. I, I gave all the details. That's the best fact of the show. So Absolutely. Quincy Howard, uh, I is the alum and Joshua is the fan. The we two of us. You. Sir, we salute you. Heartily oh, yeah. and forever. Well done, sir. All right, well, now on to the sports. What we started this podcast for and what I assume you tune in for this for more often than not. Uh, as Stephen said, recruiting and transfer news coming in. The portal did open at the beginning of December. It's going to close around the middle of January. And this is around national or early signing day, so a lot of movement on the recruiting front. Um, Tech didn't pick up any new commits, but they did lose a commit in the form of cornerback Jarvis Lee. We've mentioned him a lot on this show. He is the cornerback out of IMG Academy, about a top 1,000 player according to 24-7 Sports. He's a top 80 cornerback in this class. Um, he is out of Bradenton, Florida. Uh, one of those things where I don't necessarily think it's because we didn't want him. I think it's more about roster size, as we've talked about multiple times on this show. The football team not losing a lot of people, um, only about seven to eight people graduating. And so far, not a ton of kids hitting the transfer portal. And there's also a chance that Key is attempting to use the transfer portal to fill any other gaps. And so we saw a few other decommits like we saw last week with the other two guys. So unfortunately, um, I think that Key has kind of settled on the 14 as of now that he likes. They have been sending out other offers varying from 2023 to 2024 class. Uh, it'll be interesting to continue to track this. Um, I'll have the scoops for you because that's what I do. Um, as for the transfer portal, first of all, a decent amount of Georgia Tech kids have entered the portal as of right now. Um, since the most recent episode, we had Tyson Fomashan. He entered the portal on the 8th of December. And then on the 9th, uh, Derek Allen, the backup safety, he entered the portal. He's got two more years of eligibility remaining. Makes sense considering he wasn't going to play a ton behind LaMiles Brooks and Clayton Powell Lee. Um, Paula Vipulu, um, a guard. He started four games last year for the Jackets. He also entered the portal. And Nate McCollum, unfortunately, officially entered the transfer portal. There's always the chance that these kids come back. Again, entering your name in the transfer portal is not saying goodbye forever. It's sort of, I'm going to see what's out there. There's always a chance that they see what's out there and they're like, tech is still the best for me. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to the Institute. Um, but as for new people coming in, Georgia Tech did bring in two new guys. So they brought in Jackson Long, who is a tight end from South Florida, the University of South Florida. He is originally from Hendersonville, Tennessee. He was part of the 2022 draft class, or um, the recruit class. So he's going to come in as um, a second-year player. He was a top 1,200-ish player. He's 6'5", 225, so he's got a decent body. Didn't play a ton, obviously, because he was a freshman. Um, <clears throat> but he's, uh, his father actually did play 
in the NFL for a couple years. His father, Kevin Long, um, he was in with the Tennessee Oilers slash Titans from 1998 to 2001. So NFL bloodlines there. Uh, and then the other one was Texas A&M wide receiver Chase Lane. So he's coming in. He's a graduate student, but he does have two extra years of eligibility. He's trying to get his master's degree. Made a fantastic choice. Um, he didn't do a ton necessarily at Texas A&M. Um, basically every individual year, uh, he overall had 617 yards of um, receiving yards on 48 receptions in his career. Uh, he played a lot in 2020, got 29 catches, hasn't really done much the last two years. So see if he can get a spot over here at Georgia Tech. Uh, by the way, little shout out. Uh, great news, by the way. Good scoops. Uh, wanted to shout out that if you want to do a little uh, extra reading, the uh, tight end transfer, uh, Jackson Long, who came in. Great little article. I can't, I can't remember where I saw it. I apologize. Maybe it's on ramblingrec.com. But he talked about he apparently was like the first person to sit down with Brent Key and was technically Key's first get yeah. as the head coach. And to hear uh, Jackson Long tell the story, like by the time he was done with Brent Key, he was ready to run through a brick wall. I was like, man, I'm so excited to be here. So Brent bringing some energy to the program. and you Expect and, nothing less. And, and at this point in time, because we never had a tight end under Paul and – the last two transfer portals haven't really worked out that well. No. I am hoping Jackson Long shows us what a tight end can be. He's, really he's a lot do. younger, so he's a little bit more of a ball of clay. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. So, and anyway, just shout out to them. Okay, real quick, since we're going to do who's up, who, uh, who's up, who's down uh, on the basketball team and, and talk a little more in depth, I will just give the really quick highlights. Georgia Tech had two basketball, the men's team had two basketball games over this last week. We previewed the Georgia game. By the way, Joshua, what's the good word? To hell with Georgia. And that is what happened when Georgia Tech met Georgia on the hard court. Uh, we beat Georgia at home, 79-77. If you got a chance to watch this game, what a fantastic game. Mm -hmm. 14 or 15 lead changes in the second half alone, like eight ties. I mean, it was just nobody ran away with the game. It was just a back and forth the entire time. Uh Hats off. The Bulldogs played pretty well. Uh, we, it, it was good for our offense. 79 points uh, is, is one of our highest outputs, especially against a, an, a, an FBS school, uh, for lack of a better term. So good game, uh, good win. We have now beaten Georgia in basketball two years in a row. As an alum and someone who grew up in the 80s, I was, I'm always reminiscent of my friends who were Georgia fans, who some became Georgia students and said, well, I'm just a football fan. I like Georgia Tech basketball, but I, I'm a Georgia football fan. You can't be both, okay? You can't. You got to pick that's, a team. That's what we like to call front running. Yeah, and then when then when you confront them with that, they go, "Well, basketball team sucks, and I don't care about basketball." Well, I do, and we won, so <laughs> suck it. Anyway, uh, go Georgia Tech. Uh, we also played North Carolina. We started off our ACC schedule. We played at UNC. Uh, unfortunately, Javon uh, got Javon Franklin, Franklin got uh, hurt. About five minutes into the game, uh, had a groin pull, couldn't come back in the game. So it was a heavy dose of Rodney and Mecca off the bench. Uh, we also, Davon Smith, rolled an ankle. Uh, so when your top center, uh, who already plays undersized, but is your rebounding leader and your most athletic and best rebounding guard, both go out of the game against UNC with Baycott coming back and all that size, it was a tough road to climb, and those aren't excuses. Those are just facts. 
Tech the, played a good 15 minutes. They did. They played. They kept it. it close at the beginning of the first half. And then right towards the end, UNC went on a run. They went up about 12, I think, going into half. They were up then, 13 and a half on an 11-0 run. We made one small little run in the second half, basically, you know, relatively run. even uh, for most of the second half. Ended up losing the game uh, 75 uh, to 59. So started the ACC uh, schedule off with a loss at UNC. Yes. Well, on to the personnel changes. Obviously, Brent Key was going to hire some new people. He did fire an off- uh, the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach with a few other holes to fill. So he started off with that. But the first one I'm going to cover is actually not a coach. It is, in fact, um, a head of recruiting. So Georgia Tech has brought home a f- another former Tech player named Aaron Joe. He was the Alabama assistant director of player personnel. Uh, before he got, went there, he was with the Yellow Jackets as a grad assistant and then also assistant director of player personnel. He now is back at Tech under the title a general manager. I looked up what it was. Not a lot of schools technically have it. Really, it's the head of recruiting, for lack of a better term. He's kind of the head guy of recruiting. And seeing as what he did in um, Alabama, the one full year he was there, they had the number one recruiting class. Um, he kind of knows what he's pitching, and because he was a former Tech player, Similar to Brent Key, he knows what these kids are getting into. He can give them a very honest portrayal of what the school is. So it'll be good to have him back on the flats. We'll see how that goes. Um, Position coach. Brent Key got uh, promoted, so there was no offensive line coach. But ladies and gentlemen, now there is Geep Wade. Yes, his name is Geep. Geep Wade, former offensive line coach at App State, is now the offensive line coach at Georgia Tech. So um, the big stuff to know about him, um, he's been in the Southeast for a while He's been at Georgia Southern, East Carolina, Middle Tennessee, and Marshall. Um, he was also UT Martin's offensive coordinator for a little bit in 2018. So he knows the area. Um, I'm assuming this is sort of to hold on to some of the Southeastern kids that they've already got in this class and also get headway in there more. Um, and it fits into the other hire that they have, Buster Faulkner. Buster Faulkner is the new offensive coordinator. Now, I'm going to say something, and some of you fans might be annoyed by this. Buster Faulkner is coming from that school in Athens, the University of Georgia. He was an offensive analyst there for the last few years. In fact, he is the one that Stetson Bennett gives the most credit to for turning him into a Heisman contender. He was the first guy that really kind of believed in Stetson. But now, I know you guys are kind of annoyed right now. No, no. let me tell you how the alum are thinking right now. He's seen the light. He's had his... (laughs) He's had his, he had his come, come to, to Jesus no, moment. No, he's had his come to Bobby moment, come to Bobby <laughs> Dodd moment. And he has seen the light, seen the error of his ways, and now wants to seek redemption. Absolutely. Well, uh, before he went to UGA as the offensive analyst, he does have offensive coordinator experience. Um, he was the offensive coordinator at Southern Miss for a little bit um, while he was there. And that season, they won seven games, averaged 25 points per game. Prior to that, he was at Arkansas State. Um, in the last season there, the team finished 17th nationally in total offense and number 21 in passing offense. Um, he was also at Middle Tennessee State for five years, which was probably where he ran into Geep. That's exactly and right. They, they were able to kind of connect, so they both know what the other is looking for. He also spent some time at Murray State, uh, Central Arkansas. He was the QB coach at my alma mater, Valdosta State, as well as being a student assistant there in 2005. So he's been around similar to Geep. He has been in the Southeast specifically. So Brinke really trying to 
build the connections to Georgia and the surrounding states. I just, you have to believe that, uh, and I believe uh, Buster was the first hire, if I'm not mistaken. Technically, Geep, Geep was. Okay. Buster was sort of, he's not official yet, but like, he's going to be. So I'm betting that uh, those two those two worked together at Middle Tennessee State, and they wanted to work together again. So they saw an opportunity to do that, uh, an opportunity to increase their standing. Um, it, yeah. it, the details of Key's uh, uh, new deal, he was given a, a bigger budget to hire assistants uh, than what Jeff had. And by the way, one of the reasons he's get gotten that is he is not being overpaid as a head coach. He's getting a first-time head coach deal, um, maybe a little bit of an alma mater discount. So he's got a a little bit more money to spend, and he is finding the people he wants. So it's almost like he wants to be here. Exactly. All right. Can't hate Uh, that. The other uh, last couple pieces of news before we uh, shift gears in the show. Do want to shout out the Lady Yellow Jackets. Uh, They are off to an 8-2 and start. They had one game over this past week. They destroyed Central Michigan 71-45. I believe that was a home game. Uh, They shot, Lady Jacket shot 47% from the field in the first half. Cameron Swartz had 11 points in the first half. They had a 38-23 lead at halftime. Uh, They did get off uh, to a slow start, 15-12 at the end of the first quarter, but they kind of dominated the second quarter and kind of pulled away. Uh, They... Uh, they also went off to a 13-0 lead to start the third quarter uh, that Central Michigan kind of, at that point, kind of mailed it in, I guess, uh, kind of ran away with it, put them away. So nice win for the Lady Jackets. They are, like I said, off to an 8-2 and start. So kudos to them. One other little, uh, if you've been listening this far, uh, and we appreciate you listening, I'm going to give you a little bonus content. I kind of laid out some stuff at the beginning of the show, but here's a little Easter egg. Uh, Georgia Tech announced on the RamblingRec.com website uh, their newest members of the uh, 2022 Hall of Fame class, Uh, or maybe they had this earlier and we just haven't covered it in the show, but it is highlighted by, uh, I know, one of Joshua's favorite football players, Mr. Josh Nesbitt uh, from the football team of 2007-2010. So wanted, uh, you know, there's a nice little write-up on him on the RamblingRec.com website. Encourage you to go look at that. Couple other members of that class uh, mentioned on the website: uh, Shantia Moss or Shantia Moss. I'm, I think it's Shantia. I apologize. She was a track and field All-American. Uh, she was part of the uh, Hall of Fame class of 2022, and former basketball coach Paul Hewitt, the gentleman who did get us to the final game of the NCAA tournament uh, and was a fantastic recruiter. Uh, he is also part of the Hall of Fame class of 2022. So, congratulations and kudos to uh, our Jacket family. Uh, members of the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Absolutely. So <clears throat> if you've listened this far, thank. I uh, hope you enjoyed that Easter egg. It is now time to shift gears. If you're a first-time listener to this show, uh, we divide the show into two parts. We do the news in the first part. We do the larger chunk, uh, go a little more in-depth in the second part of the show. And we're about to do that now. Before we do that, let's take care of one little piece of administration and clean up Joshua. For those people who want to converse with us, we have a couple of really passionate fans who like to say some things, and they may come up. They may come up yet again as we talk about who's up and who's down on the basketball team. But if they want to get in touch with the show, how do they do that? Easiest way is by email. I check my email inbox multiple times every day, so just email me at joshuajulian26 
at Outlook.com. Julian is spelled J-U-L-I-A-N. Hit me there. I'll read it on air. Let everybody know what you said about us. And then we can have a friendly discourse that doesn't involve, you know, one to one. It's more of like a you email me on Thursday and then I talk about it on Monday or Tuesday night. And then we have to talk about it again. We will have a logical and rational discussion because that's what we do here. That's what we do. All right. So it is uh, time to get into the uh, deeper conversation. We had our first ACC game uh, of the men's basketball team. So it is time to concentrate on the ACC part of our schedule. Georgia Tech is 6-4 and four Thank currently. You. Thank you. They say 0-1 in the ACC, but they are 6-4. and four. They do still have a winning record at the moment. So as we head into ACC schedule, um, we lost to UNC, as we stated. Uh, they play Clemson at home. Uh, this a week from the 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 21st, a week from the day this show comes out. So we're going to play Alabama State over the weekend. It, they're kind of in exam break now. So Alabama State's one and eight. If Georgia Tech doesn't win by 20, it's not going to look great on right. the resume. <laughs> so we're heading to Cle- or we play Clemson at home on Wednesday, the 21st. We play Virginia away on the 31st on play, New Year's Eve we play day. Virginia at home. Oh, sorry. We play Virginia at home. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, tech, tech has a Tech has a homestand coming up with the Alabama State. Then they play Clemson, Virginia, and Miami all, all at home. home. They yep. do not go on the road until the seventh when they play Florida State, and then they play Notre Dame. And then they've got a bunch of different stuff. They'll go Pitts, Pitt, NC State, Syracuse, all um, in McCamish. Then they'll travel to Clemson, come back to face Duke, travel for Louisville and NC State. Hit you know. The close ones right there, play Notre Dame at, um, in uh, Atlanta, travel to Wake Forest, come back home for Virginia Tech and Florida Tech right Ooh. in the middle. Nice little cupcake in the middle. And then you've got at Pitt versus Louisville at Syracuse. And then one more game to end it off in March at Boston College. So that's the ACC schedule. Um, one of the things, and, and the premise of we're not going to go through and say this is a win, this is a loss, but... Uh, Joshua and I were talking about this as we were watching the UNC slaughter. Uh, And, you know, this team was predicted uh, by the Riders to finish last. Mm -hmm. And now that we've seen Louisville start the year. Louisville is 0-9 currently. And now that we've seen Florida State start the year. Now that we've seen Miami. Oh, no, Miami's good. Sorry, sorry. Boston College. Boston College, Wake Forest, maybe even NC State and Pitt. There are some winnable games on this conference schedule. Yeah. There's no question about that. So Florida State's two and nine, but they're in ninth place because they're one and one in ACC play. Yeah. So it's it's just, it's one of those weird things. But I mean, you've got Louisville zero and nine. Boston College is five and six. Currently, Georgia Tech is thirteenth. Um, that's kind of you know not too much to read into that because everybody only has one or two games of ACC experience right now. So they're only down there because they're zero and one in the ACC play. But a lot of teams kind of sitting around six and four to seven and three, eight and three. Uh, Wake Forest, Notre Dame, NC State, Syracuse, Pitt, Clemson. The only real standouts right now is Miami's ten and one. Virginia's eight and zero. Virginia's looked really good. They Virginia played some looks really solid. good teams. Yep. Uh, Virginia Tech's currently ten and one, and then Duke is ten and two. And Virginia Tech, I believe, was one of the. They had a really big win um, earlier in the season. They beat some ranked team. I believe they were – they beat it, it, UNC, I believe. I yeah, believe was, they, they did beat the, UNC yeah. before they played us, before UNC played us. And and the reality is I, I'm going to make the argument that from about number 9 through 15 and maybe the argument of 8 through 15, 
there's an argument to be made I that seven Syracuse doesn't really scare me. Yeah. So I, I just think, I think there's, you know, top four or five. And then I think there's another, you know, three or four that could be really good if they play up to their expectations. And then I'm just, I think that second half of the ACC, it's really going to depend on who develops, who plays well, do we, you know, who stays healthy, all that kind of stuff is going to matter. So that's what we said at the beginning of the season. I'm standing with it. So uh, let's pivot and start talking about this team and talking about who's, yeah. Pivot. Amen. Pivot. One of the most overused phrases, but well worth it and a good phrase. It is what it is. So who's hot and who's not? This discussion has to, has to, has to start with the South Alabama transfer, Javon Franklin. I don't think there's any other person to talk about because coming into this season, we talked about it on this show. The two transfer of the two transfers, Lance Terry was the one that got a little bit more of the hype, right? Josh Pastner was on record saying, you know, it's going to be a surprise. Like, how did he end up here? You know, he was at Gardner Webb. He will get to him, but Javon Franklin, so far this season, he's averaged 23 minutes. He is averaging eight points, six and a half rebounds, 2.1 assists, one steal, and two blocks all as a 6'7 center, and he's also shooting 54% from the field. Javon Franklin is so far the most entertaining player to watch because he is the garbage man. He does all the dirty work. He does he he is he is the man out there who just says he's in a, he's an energizer bunny. Yeah, just not no, it's not even that. He's just what do you need, coach? I mean, it's it's almost it, during timeouts if if the coaching staff said, "Hey, go out there and sweep the floor real quick," he'd grab a broom and just go do it. I mean, he yeah, is he's got he's that guy, and he is and he's very entertaining to watch. To use a phrase from my generation, he's got that dog in him. He has the dog in. He is scrapping every minute. He out rebounds guys that are like four inches taller than him. Yeah, on the regular, like he was giving Bacot some fits yeah. in the five minutes he was out. There. <laughs> in five minutes he was out. There. I listen. He and was, he definitely was giving the UGA big men. Oh yeah, all he was body and everybody. Yeah, it was fantastic. By the way, that dog in him is spelled correctly. That dog, D O G, the yeah, dog exactly. in him. All right, so so you would say he is he's definitely he's been up. fantastic. He's up. The uh, the 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 one I want to give uh, that is kind of my uh, he is up is Miles Kelly, and I think this is that's kind of the duh obvious. If this team is to go anywhere, the three sophomores, uh, you know, Kelly and Jalen and Debo had to make major steps forward. So far, Miles Kelly is that guy who is uh, is definitely making uh, that step forward. You want to give the – I know you're the stat man. 13 and a half points uh, per game. What yeah. other – you know, I mean, that, and I that's mean, the main thing. He's leading the team. He's scoring. almost averaging a steal a game, which is pretty good. Um, he's got a one and a half turnovers, which isn't great. But, I mean, he's not necessarily used to ball handling, and he shouldn't be ball handling as much as he kind of is. He's been forced into that role. Uh, the thing for me is he's shooting 37% from three, which has been very much needed. On this tech team, there are a lot of plays where it's just sort of like run him off a screen and whatever shot he gets, he's taken regardless of how deep or covered he is. And, so, and by the way, that 37% is after a stretch of, of about two or three games where yeah, he was like two for 20. Yeah. So it, it's gotten – he is getting He's, he's also better. taking – he's taking five threes a game, yep. which is some pretty impressive volume. Taking an 11 and a half field goals total, by far leading the team. Uh, only been close as Dave on at 9.6. So he's been very good. Uh, he's he's shown the requisite amount of growth that I think we wanted to see. And since I brought that up, let's let's spend uh, just another minute here on the other two key sophomores 
Debo yeah. and and Jalen. Talk a little bit about so Jalen has been Jalen is giving me Moses Wright vibes in that he is, and I hate to keep bringing that name up because it puts some unrealistic expectations on a nineteen year old kid that doesn't deserve it. But he's gone from a raw athlete last year who you could see like okay he could jump and he can run, but like is there basketball skills? So so far this season you're really starting to see he's very comfortable attacking the rim. Um, he's got some moves around the basket. He can't shoot worth a lick. He's shooting 8% from three. Right. He needs to stop taking yes, threes. But please. he is very athletic, very coordinated around the rim. So I've liked what I've seen from him. I I always thought that if he was going to become an impact player, it was going to be in his junior year. This was going to be sort of like a just show me something. Show me that we're moving in the right direction. As for Debo, he's looked good. He's definitely a very good jump shooter. Um, he's shooting 36% from three on about five attempts a game. My issue with Debo is he just seems too passive for my taste. And now I might be overrating him, but when I see him get the ball and when I see him really put his mind to driving, there's not a ton of people that I've seen that can really keep him from the rim. Right. There's been a lot of moments where he's put his head down and he has gotten all the way into the paint. And so I think that there's a three-level score hiding in there somewhere. He's just really deferential. And some of that is I wonder if it's because he's a sophomore and he's trying to fit in. I wonder if some of it is Passner's system. And I wonder if some of it's just his mentality. He's a team first guy, right. which all of this stuff isn't bad. It's just there are moments where I'm like, Debo, you're the most talented guy on the floor. You just just give us take over for a second, please. So I'm gonna I'm gonna respond to that. Let me speak real quickly. So Jalen, you gave some great stats. The ones I wanted to give is he is second in the team in rebounds at 5.8 per game. Uh, Javon, who we who drooled over, is at six and a half. Uh, he also uh, has had uh, seven blocks. Uh, uh, or sorry, I'm sorry. Ten, he's had tw- 12, uh, 12 blocks, blocks 10 steals. and 10 steals. So Jalen is doing some really good stuff. Now he's committing a lot of turnovers, and he needs to stop taking a three. And they probably need to find him in the post more. I, I You know, Josh loves to run the, the Princeton, you know, offense. I, he's got some post guys that he needs to not be scared to to look in the post because he's Jalen's got some moves a la your guy that you brought up Moses Wright yeah and and speak of Debo I, so I, I'll say this about Debo I see uh, I see Michael Devoe in his sophomore year mm. I, I see a player that could be all about scoring and be our main scorer. I also see a guy who is trying to figure out at all times what he needs to do to help his team because I see him, you know, he he is he is going to lead this team in minutes uh and and he's got the potential to lead the team in a lot of stats and you're saying, you know, it's funny, yeah, he could take over a game or score more. He's second on the team in scoring. He's at 10 and a half per game. Yeah. So it's kind of there I I think what you're saying is he is he that guy? Give me the ball when we need a bucket, yeah. and because as of now that's been miles, right? And it's hard when you're not the main ball handler because basketball today, you know, Jose would go get his shot. You know, Travis Best, Stephon Marbury, they all had the ball in their hands. Yeah. Debo's off ball, so he's got a. I think he needs to take more threes, and I think he needs to have the ball run through him more. Figure out how to do that in the offense, um, but I, 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 it's going to be interesting to see how he matures because he's trying to do whatever the team needs him to do to win. And if we're not winning, then we need to say, okay, here, you got to do something else. But yeah, that's my thought. I'm with you. So 
those are the guys that are kind of up, right? Like the people that we we expected to see playing well. Any other up guy? Well, let's let's save that. I, okay. I guess let's do the the biggest down guys. So, well, I'm gonna be honest. I don't see any other guys that I would consider up. So uh, as for down, um, I think the obvious one is Rodney Howard, considering he came in as the he had the center position locked up. We were hoping that he wouldn't have to play 40 minutes a game and that. Mecca could give us something off the bench. And he has gone from that to averaging um, 14 minutes a game and getting benched and getting almost little to no run in a few games. And the only reason he played a punch against UNC was, like we said, um, uh, Javon was hurt. So Rodney has just not been very great. He's averaging five points, 3.6 rebounds, only averaging 0.2 blocks a game and 1.6 turnovers a game. He has 14 turnovers as the center. He is he is second on the team along with some other guys we might talk about. <laughs> He's up there with Jalen. Jalen's got 14 turnovers. Yeah, Jalen's well, got 14. As Dave does on Kyle Sturdivant. That was the other one I was going to name. Was Sturdivant was supposed to be the steady hand at the point. He was supposed to be the heady veteran and. Kyle has not had a good start to yeah, his year. Kyle has – he's got 21 assists to 14 turnovers. He's shooting 32% from the field. I He's just – He is shooting 32% from three, which for him not, is not is not bad. That okay. just tells me that he shouldn't be shooting. Okay, well then a lot of these guys shouldn't no, be No, they shooting. shouldn't be. We should be pushing it to the rim a lot more than we do. But either way, Kyle – both the senior leaders that were kind of – they're supposed to be the heads of the snake, right? The – the Rodney, ones that are, Rodney, Kyle, and Lance Terry were yes. Were the, yeah, Lance was the other one that I was going to mention. Was okay. Lance was supposed to be the microwave score? He's been that in spurts, but he's only shooting thirty one percent from three, forty one from the field. He's still kind of struggling to find his shot. He gets it against some teams, not against others. I think that there's a settling in process. I don't want to judge him too harshly because going from Gardner Webb to Georgia Tech is tough, you know. But you're going to need more out of him if Tech is going to get to where we want them to be. Right. So, uh, you know, I, and just for comparison uh, of Rodney and kind of talking about his his year. So Javon Franklin has uh, 21 assists and eight turnovers. Rodney has 10 assists and 14 turnovers. When you're running the Princeton offense and you're throwing it to that high post, you cannot have more turnovers than assists. Not at all. That You can't do that. You are You can be leading the team in assists potentially. So, uh, and, and Rodney, you know, two blocks, it's just, total, that's, total. That's just, that's not good. Now he's never going to be a massive shot blocker. We knew that going in, but it just, it, it, yeah. So that's, that's the down. I, I, I am a Kyle Sturdivant fan and he has not delivered yet because what he does best is he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. 14 turnovers is a lot of mistakes when you're, when you're the point guard, yeah. you, you, you cannot do that. Um, to be honest, Davon Smith uh, is there. We we continue to see flashes. I know he's your guy. He's not but, necessarily. I but he's got fourteen turnovers as well. And yeah, that's just that's not Davon is. I, he's so athletic that you want him to be great, but you re, it's just the more you watch him, the more you kind of realize there's the feel for the game isn't always there. Right. right. Like, so he's got all these great layups, for example. He's also got like 16 steals on the season, seven blocks for a six foot point guard. He's got, but he's also tied, and he's got 35 assists. So he's making plays. He's really the only guy on the team making consistent plays, but he's also shooting 50% from the free throw line, 40, 14% from three, and 41 from the field. It's just, 
Davon, to me, he's been exactly what he was last year, which I was hoping wouldn't be the case, but he's held steady at what he was. And so I don't want to say he's down, but he's definitely not up. And we needed him to be up for Tech to really make improvements this year. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and you know, one of the, so one of the things about the team that, that I've noticed is, you know, if I'm doing my math correctly, to, through 10 games, They've made 263 field goals and and 59 three three point field goals. Uh, so and and on 263 uh, field goal overall field goals, they have 105 assists. Yes, That's okay. not a team first stat. Yeah. That's not a the team is the star. Uh, sorry, 121. It's 105 turnovers. Oh, that's not that's, that's not even that's even that's worse. bad. So one to one turnovers. Yeah, when you're basically one to one assist to turnovers, and and you're turnover and you're doing assists on less than half of your made shots, that is not a team first concept. That is not a Princeton motion. Yeah. Uh, offense. So which is why I would say one of the things that's down. I don't mean to interrupt you. But no, one of the things that's down is the Josh Passner system. I. <gasps> I like Pastner as a guy. I like him as a recruiter, in fact. I think he's got a great eye for talent. But the one thing that I, I've struggled to deal with is the fact that his offensive system is so rigid and doesn't seem to really adapt a ton. Like With a guy like Rodney Howard, especially last year, as your center, I don't know why you continue to run the Princeton offense when it's so clear that he is not comfortable that far away from the basket despite the four mid-range jump shots he hit against UNC. He is not comfortable making reads. He's not comfortable making passes. And you've got all these guards that, to me, I think they would be a lot more comfortable in like a ball screen type offense. So, and I know that would make you like a lot of other people and like everybody else. I just, I would like to see more diversity in the offensive sets. I like the diversity in defense. Right. I think that's really good. Diversify the offensive sets to kind of highlight every single one. Because like you were saying, there's too many different examples where, they run their offense, they do the little handoffs, and everybody kind of cuts, and then they get to five seconds, and somebody just, oh, I got to go one-on-one now, right. and it leads to a bad shot. And right. that's where I think a lot of those made shots with no assists are coming. Well, and especially if you're a team that runs so many different types of defenses, there's a 1-3-1 set, 2-3, and a man-to-man, but they do so many other different types of, of variations on that. It does surprise me that they're, they don't have more offensive sets. Now, if you've been watching, they do more of going not just straight to the high post. They do go to the wings a little more, but you're right. They have the athleticism now that they need to be doing more, you know, uh, movement and guard movement and screening. And the other thing is, okay, if you're going to stick with Princeton, then you got to get more back cuts. You got to get more back cuts wide open. Yeah. You got to spread out. The whole Princeton thing is to spread out and then get open threes. Now. Having said all that, what do you think? Give me one thing that if it dramatically improves, what would be the one thing or two things that would most improve this team in ACC play? I I, just, I think it's got to be, there's got to be somebody that steps up and decides he's the guy. Because I was going to touch on this. That there's All the guys on this team, they look more focused on staying within the system as opposed to making a play. And I think that there needs to be a guy that is willing to be a play finisher. Because as of now, Debo, Jalen, there's, there's a lot of sort of guys that look like they don't want to deviate from the system in case they mess up. 
And I th- there needs to be a little bit more freedom on the guys. I would say that the one thing that needs to change the most is the three-point shooting. Either the people that aren't supposed to be shooting need to stop shooting, or we need to get more shots for guys like Miles Kelly and Debo Coleman. Because if they can hit their – the three is the great equalizer in college basketball especially. If you can hit your threes at a high clip, you can play with anybody. And I think if Tech become, is able to get more open threes for their shooters, it's going to keep a lot more games close because three is greater than two. And that's a math equation that will always be true. So uh, I'm going to say uh, – that's a good point. I'm with you there. I am going to say that the thing that has to change for this team is what Josh said he saw in preseason and in the scrimmages that we have not yet seen. We've got to be better field goal percentage-wise, and especially on the threes. Um, Either – so Miles Kelly, Debo, uh, and Lance Terry have got to get near over 40%, get near or over 40% in threes. And honestly, if Sturdivant doesn't get it much higher, over 35 37%, he needs – you know, he needs to stop taking threes. Davon, Jalen, you know, those guys need to stop taking threes. They need to drive more. Um, We are, we should no longer be the team that struggles to hit layups. We should no longer (laughs) be the team that's, you know, we need shout out to Tristan Maxwell. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not him. It's everybody. I know it's everybody. We just need to, we need to hit our layups. We need to be better shooting, shooting the ball because uh, that is gonna that is gonna be the difference in this team. I think the defense is there. We're always gonna struggle to rebound, um, but it's gotten better. Okay, and, and and the fact is, when you play Duke and you play North Carolina and you play these teams that have two, three, seven footers and a lot of six, nine, six, ten guys, it's gonna be tough. It, there's just no way around it. But uh, our system can it, it can help us defend and rebound better. But I just think this team is going to live and die on field goal percentage. And when we struggle to shoot, we better be playing extra good defense. Yeah. Um, and well, I, I think the goal is we keep teams under 70 and we we score over 70, which, by the way, through 10 games, we're averaging 70 points a game. Now, then cupcake schedule, I get all that, but it, it's, it's there. We've scored over 70 and above against some decent – that some of the decent teams we started the season against Utah, yeah. Georgia, stuff like that. Yeah. It, with the, with the efficiency stuff that you were talking about, it would help a lot if we could get more open shots through the system. And see, that's where I'll tell you, I've seen good open shots. We're just not hitting them. And that's the I've layup. I've seen some thing. open shots, but I've also seen some very contested I, shots. And, and that's as in the last couple games, I've seen the, the, the offense kind of bog down. Yeah, and I think we need to flow more. And and Josh, you're right. Maybe Josh needs to turn over the reins a little bit. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, and again, I, I th- the thing I'll just finish with is everybody just needs to take a breath because this is a young team. This was going to be a rebuilding year. We're playing three sophomores a lot of minutes. They're starting. Yeah, and they're, they're playing three a lot of minutes. Starting. And so it's a young team. So let's let's encourage them to grow. What I don't want to hear is it's funny as we were watching the UNC game, a couple of people commented, and I went on a couple of message boards, and it's this team sucks. This is terrible. We should be better. Passner needs to be fired. Hey, uh, everybody, go back through our history. How many times has Georgia Tech beaten UNC at UNC? 
oh, okay. And with that, how many times did they beat them after their starting center and their starting guard both leave the game early with injury? Yeah. It it doesn't happen, guys. So calm down. Let's see how we do against the the second half of the ACC. Pastor is not on the hot seat yet. We'll leave it with that. I, I cannot see how. he Considering he took us to the first ACC championship in a decade or more. Uh, try like 20. Yeah. Uh, the Hall of Famer. Paul Hewitt never won the ACC tournament. Okay, so he, he took us to his, our first, you know, tournament appearance since him, mm-hmm. or since like yeah, since him, yeah, and the first ACC tournament since before him, since Cremens. It's it's gonna he's got some security now. You want to see some growth, but again, it's important to note one, it's a young team. Our top three scores are all sophomores, true sophomores, and there is an article posted in the Athletic. I encourage you to read it if you have not read it or whatever. Pastner is very upfront with the fact that, hey, listen, I kind of made a mistake. I was hoping that Moses and Jose would come back after that ACC year. And if I could go back and do it again, I would give them a harder deadline. And so because they made a late decision, Pastner got a late start on a lot of recruiting. He said himself in the interview, he turned away at least two transfers because he wanted to make sure there was space for Moses and Jose if they wanted to come back. So I don't think we need can judge Josh super harshly on last season or this season because of a self-inflicted mistake. And again, even with that, he brought in a ton of talent in that freshman class. He's bringing in Blue Kane. He found Javon Franklin in South Alabama, of all places. The guy knows where to find basketball players. And and by the way, the other thing I'll say from our history is how many times has Georgia Tech finished atop the ACC at the end of the regular season? And now it's twice as big. So let's, let's, let's cheer them on because we don't need to be reactionary. Yes. And, and let's see what they do because they're a deeper team. They don't, this, the, the, if the team is the star, then they need to play team basketball, more assists, hit your open shots and, and grind it out and let's improve and see where we're at at the end of the year, because five out of seven years under Passner, we've improved. Okay. Thus endeth the sermon. We've been preaching for a little while. I apologize. Hey, for those of you that stuck with us, we thank you so much for being with us all the way through. We'd love to hear what you think. Joshua, tell them one more time how they can reach the show. Joshua Julian, 26 at Outlook.com. And we would love to read. We'll respond to you. We'll also try and uh, tell everybody what you're thinking on the air. Let us know if we can use your name. Let us know if you want to use a a pseudonym or something like that. Let us know if you're in the witness protection program. Actually, you wouldn't be because no tech people are in the witness protection. We don't do crimes. That's right. We do times. Wait, that doesn't work. All right. So that's the dumb joke to end the show, but I got the best way to end the show. And that is to ask you a very, very important question. What's the difference?